Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I'm a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz, and we call the show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. And there are special interests that are also less than enthusiastic about you knowing about the studies. Every week we will explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illnesses. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently called functional medicine and has been adopted by thousands of doctors as well as some medical schools and hospitals, including the Cleveland Clinic. Today's episode is called The Need for More Self-Care. Hello, Dr. Benz. Hey, hi, Aubrey. And I think this is really uh, a spinoff of our last program where we talked about your book, uh, Adapting Resiliently, because uh, ours was a self-care journey. Both of us uh, have been through this self-care thing. But as I looked at this topic, I said, you know, I, I like to measure things. <laughs> I like to find out uh, where are you in this journey? And so I had already developed some tools uh, along this line of self-evaluation uh, in the context of organizational development, which was my previous career before this one. And so it wasn't a very much of a stretch for me to say, wait a minute, I, I think I've got it figured out here that there are at least five different stages people go through when they're trying to navigate this journey towards self-care. The first one is passive self-care. Pretty much, you do what your doctor tells you to do. And then there's curious self-care. Yeah, you read a few articles, you're interested a little bit, but you don't do very much with the information. You're just curious and you know you can ask the occasional good question to, to someone. And then there's the inquiring self-care. Now you wanna do something with this new information that you're curious about. So now you start to inquire into what things you can do to kind of improve your health. And then the fourth one would be consultative self-care. Now you've gone beyond just the inquiry. You're now consulting with other practitioners, with other patients, with other people. You're trying to find this journey by actually exchanging information and applying it to your own health situation and the situation of others. And then finally, well, I entitle this last stage as assertive healthcare. In assertive healthcare, the patient or the person is taking advantage of all the knowledge that they gain to guide their own health and to kind of have their doctor be a partner in this um, to discuss things with them, but it's joint decision-making. It's like, okay, the doctor says this, but my research says that, and then they exchange ideas. This is quite, quite a difference than what's been normally practiced. And so I'm wondering if, if you agree that that's a pretty good division of these different categories and whether you think everything should strive, everybody should just strive to become assertive self-care or some people should probably stay in the others. What's your take on that? Oh, that's a great question. I love that you have broken these out um, into levels of self-care. I've never seen this kind of information before broken out in such a way, and I really loved it when I was reading through it. Yeah, no, I don't know that everybody should be as in 
in a sort of self-care. Um, I think that there is a role for every individual to be in curious self-care and, you know, really inquiring about what it would look like for their own personal care practices. Because I think that's the thing is that, you know, what I do for my own personal self-care is going to be different than what everybody else does. And that as it should be of like my diet needs different nutrients in it than yours does. Um, and so we all need to meet ourselves in different, different ways. I would, I love the idea of assertive self-care for all where we can be with practitioners that are meeting us as we're flexing through, you know, the journey towards self-care. And I think that's, that's the bigger piece is that this is all the, the need of self-care is cyclical. It's not linear. Um, it moves on a continuum where your needs for self-care, whether they be assertive or in query or in curiosity, are going to be consistently evolving as you yourself as an individual evolve. I think that uh, one of the variables seems to be uh, time. Uh, a lot of people say they're, they're pressed for time mm-hmm. and that they don't have the time to read a lot. <laughs> and we've gotten away from that. The media has kind of taught us to deal in sound bites. And so they're used to getting 30 seconds of this and a minute of that and two minutes of that. And when I was doing my workshops over the years, I would have employers say to me, well, our employees, uh, they, they won't put up for more, more than 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, you know, a lunch and learn uh, of that length is about all they'll tolerate. And I resisted that. And I would say to the employer, well, I don't think I can get my topic across in any less than 90 minutes. And I'll tell you what, if you, if you get one complaint from any of the employees that it was too long, uh, I'll give it to you for free. And you know, I've been doing that for 25 years and I've never had a complaint yet. <laughs> and you know what the opposite complaint was? There wasn't enough time. Exactly. It was too short. So this is baloney. You know, this whole thing about the internet and this generation of millennials that wants everything in sound bites, that's not the way it works. The body's complicated. And so I would just say to you, you're closer to that generation I am. How in the heck are we going to get these people, these millennials, how are we going to get them on board with this, Aubrey? Because they, they just don't want to talk for anything more than a few minutes about anything. They, 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 they can't concentrate or they don't want to concentrate. What's the answer? Well, I think the answer is, you know, complex where, I mean, given the conversation that you and I just had around my book, um, we both had situations where we had to come face to face with our own awareness that we needed to practice greater self-care, right? And that's such an individualistic experience that I don't believe that anybody can be forced into that awareness of like, oh, well, yeah, we hear all the time, just self-care, take self-care, practice self-care, do self-care. But you don't really understand what that means until you're in a situation in your life where you actually have to embody what self-care truly means for you. And so I think there's that piece, right, of getting to the place where you're actually willing to prioritize yourself. And what is the request and what requires you to be in that place is different for every single individual. I also think like the power of distributing information in small bits is challenging. And also to me, I'm taking it as a um, 
a challenge of reaching outside of my box. So if you will, I'm building new brain synapses by challenging myself of like, okay, well, what could I deliver in social media for 90 seconds, for 30 seconds? What, like, what is that, that nugget of information that I really want people to sit with? And then to recognize that, and I know that you've had this experience too. A lot of times as health practitioners and as people that are supporting, you know, greater health and well-being, we're just there a lot of times planting seeds so we can plant seeds and giving people a lot of information and letting them distill it on their own and process it on their own. And we can also plant seeds of, hey, when was the last time you paid attention to how you talk to yourself internally? And that seed may not bloom or har- be uh, you know harvestable for quite some time, but it can still be there and foster into a greater awareness at, at another juncture in the life. I developed a tool back in the oh, good old days, maybe 15, 20 years ago, called sequential questioning. And I, I did this when there would be a group of people who were uh, of, of, of totally opposite points of view. And, and, and so the goal was in uh, 15 or 20 minutes to get them all to agree what the agenda was for the rest of the day. And so I developed these 10 questions and I would start very generally and then go from general to specific questions to the point where at the end of the 15 minutes, everybody in the room agreed, this is the agenda we have to, we have to start on. So I, I know that this can work, that, that we, can, we can tighten these time frames to get people, because these were even environmentalists, you know, who were, you know, half the group was environmentalists and the other half were making money off of chemicals and you know (laughs) doing bad things to the environment and yet once you ask the right questions you don't get any resistance because everybody wants to do the right thing in the end you just have to get them to agree with what the right thing is and these 10 questions will do that now i've gotten to the point where i agree with you you can actually get a question out there that actually makes people think in less than 30 seconds and so here's, here's one that I would challenge young, young women. Did you realize that breast cancer usually starts in your late 20s and there's actually a test that can determine whether you're on your way to breast cancer? Now, if, if you're a woman in your late 20s, th- does that get your interest? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it does. So to me, those are the kind of things that I propose that we use in the social media approaches that we take. And, and then we might even say, because a lot of people say, well, I don't really want to know if it's developing if I can't do anything about it. So then the follow-up question is, did you know that there's one nutrient that if it's in the right amount in your body, in your blood work, you can actually reduce your risk of breast cancer by 77% with this one nutrient. Now you put those two questions together. Have we created a curiosity? I, I think that's it. So I think we agree on that. I think sometimes you have to trick people. I mean, you, you said it one way, I say it another way. I think you have to trick people into understanding that they don't know what they don't know. And you have to get their attention and then you have to tease them a bit. And, and I think that the, 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 the end of, of this in terms of, of finding out how people want to do more is I've developed these tests that have these biomarkers in them that can find cancer five to 10 years before it starts. 
or find Alzheimer's and Parkinson's five to 10 years before it starts. This, this is kind of the advanced test that you and I have been alluding to in, in, in other situations. But now we have panels that we've developed and the same thing with the immune panel that we have. So, so to me, we have these tools and we have to start you know, taking advantage of them and, and doing more. I don't know how we do that. How do we get doctors? How do we get coaches? How do we get the health practitioners to understand that there are ways to stimulate people to pay attention and to be interested? I mean, these podcasts are certainly part of it. And there's a lot more webinars coming my way uh, from organizations that are getting onto this. Do you think it's going to be enough? Or do you think we need some kind of encouragement in law or in the healthcare system in terms of reforms? What's your thinking of how we can accelerate this? Because if we don't get onto this sooner rather than later, we're in, I mean, if we don't get to self-care within the next five years, I think we're going to be in, in real trouble. Uh, do you agree with that? And do you think there are any ways out there to accelerate this kind of journey? Yeah, I mean, I think I absolutely agree with it. And I think that the narrative needs to change and that's happening from, you know, uh, healthcare reform, um, the pharmaceutical industries and our food industries. And the narrative at this point in time is around sick care rather than health care um, and wellness care. And so I think that narrative for me needs to really be altered. A lot of times, you know, when we turn on the television, you're seeing, hey, do you just suffer from X, Y, and Z? and take this and here's the additional symptomologies that go along with it but we never see the comp the reverse of that of like hey congratulations on lowering your blood pressure by getting up and walking around the the neighborhood we do not see the celebration around taking responsibility and ownership for your health and your well-being and i think we're seeing this within the covid pandemic of how uh the research around vitamin d has been really sequestered and silenced. And you have a lot of practitioners saying, hey, if we're actually saying and supporting immune system function, then we do not have as big of a concern around COVID that we once thought we did. And so that narrative around sick care for me has to change. And that has to change within a healthcare reform, that has to change within practitioners, that has to change within our medical model completely. But that's also, you know, indicative of what's happening within our school systems, within our food industry. You know, we have a lot of foods that are targeted for quick fixes, if you will, where they're cheap and they have all of the things that we know cause inflammation, that disrupt brain activity and cause disease. And yet those are the ones that are marketed to us. We do not see the narrative being reversed around actually reclaiming our health and our well-being, which is a part of stepping in towards um, self-care models. I, you know what? I agree with you on every one of those. And, and in one of the articles that I wrote recently, I, I uh, expanded on every one of those. Uh, we should have labeling on foods that tells us what the nutritional value is. We should stop having advertisements for drugs uh, on, on the media. Uh, we're one of only two countries in the world, industrialized world, that allows that to happen. And so we've, we've got to stop that. We've got to get doctors to become integrated. I mean, they should all be taking nutrition courses and there should be legislation to, to mandate that. And so until all that happens, though, let's say that we have a group of people who are following us on these programs. What can we do to help them? Because to, to, to me, my journey in researching 
I think was one that, that I can help others to replicate. And I think your, your experience in it can be helpful too. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some ideas. I have a couple of books, and I know you have some too. So I'm going to give you two books that people should have in their home. The Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine by Joseph Pizzorno and, um, and Dr. Murray. And the other one is Nutritional Healing by James Bulch. And then uh, his, his wife uh, now has that one. But you can get any, any edition, even the, the third or fourth edition is good. Those books have sold millions. And so a lot of people are using them. What are some of the other books that you would encourage our listeners to have in their library so that they can actually get in there and do some good research and help others? Uh, How Not to Die by Michael Greger and Undo It by Dr. Dean Ornish. And you mentioned one on uh, gut health uh, recently, too. Oh, Digestive Wellness by Dr. Liz Lipsky. Okay, so there's some books for our listeners, you know, and so... Write those down and make sure you get copies of them. And, and of course, Aubrey's book and then my little book, Health in Your Pocket. That's, those, are, those are good books, too. Now, in terms of the research, I'm going to mention two or three different places where I go on the Internet to get the articles and research that I get. PubMed is sort of one of the classic places you want to see if the articles that you're getting are from PubMed because that's a, a peer-reviewed medical place. But St. Luke's Hospital... Uh, has a really good set of articles on integrative care. And so look for their articles. Metagenics has a great library, sometimes not as accessible because you have to have a kind of a practitioner working with you to get access to those sometimes. But Green Med Info has probably the best online natural medicine research library in the country. And of course, Mercola, Dr. Joseph Mercola, so those are the sites that I would recommend for people to go and, and, and listen to and be skeptical. You know, don't, don't say everything that they're following is the thing that they should do, you should do. But know that those are some of the people and places that are the most honest and the most forthright and the most well-researched. Do you have any others that you can add to that list? No, I mean, Google Scholar is good. I would, I, I just would definitely second what you're saying is Green Med Info and then also Mercola. Um, and I think Dr. Axe has a lot of good information. Dr. Axe is really good, but he's becoming a bit too commercial in my estimation. He's losing his edge. <laughs> but for, for general uh, protocols, yes, his, his site still has some very good general holistic protocols. So I would, I would, I would go with him for a while. And then let's go with keywords. If you're going to do this search, I've done a search in three or four different, on on the same topic with three or four different sets of words and got totally different responses. This is amazing. So some of the keywords are natural, science-based, functional, holistic, alternative or complementary, clinical trials, research, remedies, treatments, care, studies, solutions, integrative, and reverse. Those are just some of the words that seem to resonate in the searches that I've been able to be successful in. Do you have any other words that you could recommend that people use in their searches to get the best responses and the best science-based natural treatments? Um, I always like to go with mind-body medicine or uh, nutrition and then you know, integrative or holistic medicine. I'm, but I agree with all of the keywords that you've mentioned. 
Okay. But, you know, you're right. You know, sometimes you just have to mix them up sometimes and, and scramble them and, and see what happens. And you have to have the patience to do that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a couple of examples, like uh, natural science-based studies for treating arthritis, functional medicine solutions for dementia, integrative medicine to treat cancer, science-based research to cure diabetes, natural medicine to reverse heart disease. So those are just examples of how you combine those keywords and put them together in a research um, uh, way. And, and don't be satisfied with what you get the first time. Go back and try a few other sets of words because you will get different results. And I think that's, that, that was my point. And, and so what are some of the best keywords that you've put together that have gotten you the best results in this kind of research? Oh, um you know, integrative, holistic, self-care, self-care and meditation. You know, it, it depends on what I'm really researching. Um, right. Yeah. Meditation is one that I, that I didn't have in there either. And, uh, you know, yoga, I mean, sometimes uh, deep breathing is, is, a, is a great solution. So you have to talk about your breath. But I think uh, you just start with the, some of the key words and, and see what it gets you and then download those and make a little library. And I think that's the thing that you and I have probably done as well as anybody and that is made our library so that when somebody says, oh, I've got this problem, like I had a, wo a woman yesterday say that her father found uh, in Germany, found a, uh, a growth on his spine and that uh, he had had a history of cancer and uh, she thought, you know, she, and she's a good follower of our program and, and she said, what should I recommend to him if, if the test comes out that it's, that it's cancerous? So I sent her a bunch of things that I'd already developed. And it only took me a couple of minutes to sort of download my files on different things. And I also have some videos from Ralph Moss about uh, European cl clinics that are really leading edge in the area of cancer. And I'm going to send her the link to those as well. And so I, I think it's just good to have those resources available I think that doing these webinars that people are doing is a good idea because they get many experts on there and they give their point of view. There's one now called Proven. Unfortunately, it's free for the first 24 hours. And then after that, they start to charge you a fee. And then when you lump, lump them all together into uh, an overall uh, program, they then they'll charge you for it. And if you have 20 or 30 practitioners that are dedicating their time and, and expertise, it, it, it makes sense that they would charge something for it. And so don't be shy about buying into some of those things. Most of them are pretty good. Uh, what's, what's been your experience with people buying into these webinars where they get, it, they get it free initially and then afterwards you have to pay? I mean, I think it can be definitely a good source of information. And there's also a capitalistic venture within them. <laughs> you know yeah yeah well i learned about uh, self-compassion today from that so That's um, good. <laughs> I was, uh, that was very timely for me to be able to learn about that um is there anything else we can talk about in, in in terms of helping the individual especially the listeners to our program to to move forward with their understanding of where they are i mean 
uh, I'd be glad to send copies of my prevention, my preventive healthcare, shifting the healthcare paradigm to people, and then they can look at how it's defined. I mean, we actually have the definitions for each one of them that shows what happens when you move from uh, passive self-care to curious self-care. And so there's about six or seven definitions for each one of them. I mean, obviously the first one is all about, uh, you know, conventional medicine and getting all most of your answers from doctors. And, uh, you know, you, you might read a little bit and, uh, and, and take advantage of some of the things that you learn, but the people who are in the assertive healthcare, they're really uh, doing all the things that you and I've talked about, let's just say, <laughs> and, uh, and, and actually taking control of their health. And I think that's the big difference. Anything else before we, we, we say hi or goodbye to our sponsors, Audrey? No, I don't think so. Thank you. Okay. Well, I want to thank everybody again for listening, and I want to thank our sponsors for making this possible. Our first sponsor that we mention usually is Southern Trust Financial Planning, and uh, they have a really good financial planning program. Uh, it's a really, truly personalized service. I like them because they also talk about health, uh, and we have been helping them with their clients uh, with wellness programs for the last 15 or 20 years. So I think it's very ethical for financial planners to have interest in health and wealth, and uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning does that as good or better than anybody we know. Uh, DHA Labs, uh, again, and when you want to have the most progressive tests, the, most, uh, the best test in terms of finding out what your health issues are earlier and, and being able to do something about it because now you have this advanced information about your test and, 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 your, and your blood work and your urine analysis, I think DHA Labs has the best tests out there for wellness, for the immune function, and for cancer, and for well-being overall. Uh, they started in the brain health area, and they're still very strong in that area. So DHA Labs, really, really great for individuals and small, uh, small companies. Paddock Pools, uh, these, this company has, I think, the healthiest pools in the country because they have a vacuum extractor that actually takes the chlorine gas off the surface of the water, allowing people to swim in cleaner uh, air and, and breathe it and uh, benefit from their exercise a lot more than they would if they were breathing in those toxic chlorine fumes. And so Paddock Pools has the, the, this unique service that they provide uh, in building their pools. And I think that uh, the, you can find these vacuum extractors in many communities around the country and you should try to find one in your community and that's the one you should go to if you can. MPB Health is, uh, I think, a great uh, alternative to health insurance. I think that by having people involved that are really interested in wellness, which most of the members uh, of their program are interested in wellness and they are educated and they have tools to work with, more tools and more education and more research goes into wellness and a program that's uh, concentrating on medical cost sharing than any of the health insurance programs I have ever seen. And so they're doing the best job of getting people healthier. And I think it pays off because their costs are about 30 to 50% less than most health insurance costs. So I would promote uh, MPB Health to every one of our listeners. And uh, there's videos online that you can go to and you'll learn a lot more. And then you can call in to a counselor and learn more. 
and I think if you uh, if you find it's a good match, then you should definitely consider MPB Health for your health insurance needs. So that's our program for today, and thanks again, Aubrey. I hope that we helped our listeners take another step towards the journey for optimal health, and I look forward to uh, hearing from you and uh, listening to them again. Bye for now.